Hello, homemakers, and welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I am your host, Allison Weeks. I'm a wife, a mom to four grown kids, grandmother to one baby boy due to arrive this fall, and I have been practicing the art of home for 30 years. If this is your first time visiting us here on the podcast, welcome. Here at the Art of Home, we hope to inspire and encourage you with stories of home from homemakers of all ages and stages of life. We are currently making our way through our seventh season. We have featured some amazing homemakers in all stages of life, and we did a very deep dive into how we use words in the home. Today, we wrap up season seven with an in-the-trenches homemaker, Amber Davis. But before we get to her story, a little podcast housekeeping. (laughs) See what I did there? (laughs) Sorry, that was corny. Okay, if you caught our last episode and or received last week's newsletter, you already are aware that we have something very special coming this August on the podcast. We are doing a summer reading series working through the classic book, Homemaking, by the Reverend J.R. Miller, published in 1882. I know you're busy and you don't really have time to read, so every Wednesday in August, I will be reading to you two chapters from this short little book, and that will be the podcast episode for that week. We are also creating some reflection questions to go along with each chapter, and those will go out instead of the weekly newsletter every Friday in August. So make sure you are subscribed. There will be a link in the notes or just go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash summer to sign up to receive chapter questions. You do not need a hard copy of this book to participate in our summer reading series, but it might be helpful when working through the reflection questions. Now, this book is in the public domain, so there are various free versions out there online. Just search for the title and the author's name and you should be able to find one. You can also purchase a paperback copy on Amazon for less than $10, and I will link that in the notes as well. This series begins on August 3rd. Now on to today's conversation. I've known Amber for several years. We have served together in women's ministry, and I've watched her handle physical pain and suffering with an abundance of grace and confidence in the Lord. We talk a little bit about that in this interview, as well as Amber's time as a park ranger, then a single mom, and finally, the multi-generational home she shares with her children, her nana, and her husband of six years, a man who has the most unique name I have ever heard. We get the scoop on where that came from as well. And make sure you listen until the end because Amber has a special gift for our listeners. So whether you're chopping veggies or folding undies, I know you will enjoy Amber's story of home. I'm here with my friend Amber, and we're going to talk about her story of home as an in-the-trenches homemaker. But before we go back to the beginning, Amber, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are today. Okay. I am Amber Davis. I am a former park ranger turned Bible teacher. Um... (laughs) I work in our local church uh, here in town, and my official title is office admin, but I get to do a lot of work with women's ministry, which is a joy. I am a wife and a mama and a grandmother, and uh, also love reading, writing, and uh, music. And we live in a multi-generational home. I've got my husband, Jingle Bob, and yes, that is his real name. (laughs) And we've been married just a little over six years. We are a blended family. I came with two children who are 19 now and 14. And then he's got three grown children, which is how I became an instant grandmother. Uh And then what I mean by the multi-generational is we have my mother's mom living with us. That's Nana. She's going to turn 90 in January. And she's there. There's a... 17-year age gap between me and my husband, Mm -hmm. and I am the proclaimed Gen Xer in the house. So lots of diversity in the home. I'm right there with you, sister Gen Xers. Yes. We are a small but mighty group. I agree. (laughs) Okay, so wait, I have to back up because I've always wondered this. Tell me the origin of Jingle Bob's name. So his dad loved paperback westerns, and so there's a story, and the hero in this western is Jingle Bob Jenkins, and 
my father-in-law swore, when I have my first son, I'm naming him Jingle Bob because wow. he just loved it that much. And so my husband is Jingle Bob Harley Davis. I am sure because he likes Harleys as well. <laughs> and it's funny because he did name all three. There's three boys and, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, four boys and two girls. All four boys are named after Westerns and the two girls are Hawaiian names like their mama. Wow. Yes. That is so interesting. So has he ever met anybody else named Jingle Bob? Nope. Is there never, anybody ever. in the world I named Jingle Bob? I don't think so, but we did find the book. Okay. So we have that now, and, and he's been reading up on the history of his name, but he, he kind of likes the attention because it's always a conversation starter. So yeah. he's like, oh yeah, I love it. But he didn't like it when he was a kid, but he I'm likes sure it now. I'm sure not. I, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Was it like torture for him growing up with it? Oh, yes. And then, you know, he had big glasses and Aww. all those things, and he was was kind of like the he he's a professed nerd in school and so he just got picked on a lot poor guy i guess <laughs> well it just probably gave him a real strong backbone and yes yeah yes fortitude <laughs> absolutely <laughs> okay well let's go back to the beginning okay when did you first become a homemaker and when you did become a homemaker did you bring any skills with you did you know how to do anything well, I had my first child at 21, but thinking back, I did. I do think I came with a lot of homemaking skills. I gr- grew up in a home where both parents worked a lot, mm-hmm. and so they regularly tasked me with taking care of the kids, especially during the summer. I had a brother and a sister that were younger. I had to have dinner on the table by five and laundry done, house clean. We as a, the kids had to do all the yard work while they were gone. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I had experience with with children and then also with just taking care of the home and cooking and doing those things. And the first time I moved out, I was 18. I did the apartment with the college girls, lived with three other girls. So that mm-hmm. was an experience. And then when I bounced around from park to park, I lived more dorm style. And so... Um, that was a whole different experience too. You kind of had a room to yourself or with a one roommate, but you had that community bathroom, which I didn't experience at college because I had an apartment. And then um, I lived as a time as a single, you know, working mom in the home mm-hmm. and then a newly married mom in the home. And But this home that I'm in now currently probably feels the most settled and most like home because I have moved 33 times. 33? Yes. I think you win the prize for the most moves of anybody I've talked to. 33, that's a lot. It was a lot. I was quite the nomad during my 18 to okay. to 30. Even after I had kids, I moved around a lot. Um, so I traveled light, mm. a lot, very light. Mm-hmm. Uh, learned to travel light. But now being yeah. here, it's been a little bit different. Okay, that's interesting. But you grew up because you didn't really move when you were with your parents. You grew up in the same area? Yes. we we. Well, I'm from El Paso. El Paso. We grew up in a home. We stayed in that home um, all through my growing up years. I didn't mm-hmm. leave till I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I got out and got a taste of travel, that mm-hmm. was it. I was gone, ready mm-hmm. to go. That's really interesting. Okay. So it sounds like you had a, a good bit of skills in your tool belt, but was there something that was super challenging for you that you had to really work on? Oh, yes. Uh, the first one's ironing. I loathe ironing. <laughs> I still don't do ironing. And God has blessed me because Nana, that is one of her gifts. And okay. she willingly is like, here, give me all the ironing. Um, but I would say the most the most um, difficult one for me would be balancing work and home life. Mm-hmm. Um, ministry never sleeps. And I'm in ministry. And so it's really hard to disconnect from what you're doing outside of the home. But God's been very clear that my first ministry is at home. And so I'm learning even now today, like how to disconnect, how to create margins so we're not all burnt out and they're just getting my scraps. So that way Mm -hmm. I can focus on them at home. Yeah. When you were working as a park ranger, did you have kids? I had my first one while I was a park ranger. Yes. That's, I was just wondering, like, how did that work with having a kid? It definitely <laughs> presented a challenge because the nearest town was like 55 miles away. Wow. So you couldn't get daycare. You couldn't mm-hmm. do all of that stuff. And so that park ranger career kind of came to a screeching halt when my son was a year old because it was like, okay, I, I can't do this. And that's yeah. how I ended up back in El Paso. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about expectations. Hmm. What are some of the things that surprised you about homemaking? I would say the first is that it is incredibly messy relationally. Mm. I I think I expected that because I grew up in kind of a dysfunctional home mm-hmm. and we had a lot of mess, but I had this expectation that if I 
you know, now I have this Christian home and it's going to be easy and everybody's just going to be loving and all Mm -hmm. of those things. And I just, I kind of set myself up there for a false expectation, Mm -hmm. but I'm learning now, especially living in that multi-generational home um, with all the unique preferences and ideas and Mm -hmm. parenting styles um, there's some certain hills I'm willing to die on and other ones I'm not. Yeah. So I will die on the hill of formation, uh, spiritual formation and discipleship for my kids. Like if it, if it's affecting them in that way, or if it's about shepherding their heart, I'm willing to fight for that. Yeah. I'm also pretty passionate about how my pantry's organized and my clothes <laughs> are folded, but I won't fight for those things. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll, I'll let those things slide if somebody else is doing them for me so that I'm not. You know. Yeah, well, because then that goes into that whole balance issue of balancing time, uh, work time and home time. And yes. if you have someone who's willing to help you with that, oh yeah, like beggars can't be choosers. Right? Exactly. I, I am, <laughs> and you know, Nana's old school. She likes things a certain way, and so it's been an interesting dynamic having two mm-hmm. alpha females in the house mm-hmm. and just learning to submit to one another mm-hmm. and just what what. What really matters here, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I'm willing to bend on a lot of things. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's been, um, that I've had to just kind of let go of is that homemaking would complete me. I had this kind of a next step mindset mindset growing up, like, oh, well, when I'm, I'm a kid, now I want to be an adult, and mm-hmm. now I want to have my house, and now I want to have these kids, or now I want to get married. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to learn that that God-sized hole can't be filled by people or arrival at whatever stage I was looking at. And God just really showed me that if I was kept focusing on the next step, I would miss what was going on in the present. Right. The way that you're talking about this, it sounds like, I want to get the timeline right. So you were with, um, you were doing the park ranger thing and then you had your son and then um, you were a single mom. I was a single mom. um, And, then in five years later, I had my daughter. Okay. Ended up still being a single mom. Mm-hmm. And so I was raising those two kids. And during that time, I was working for the state of Texas as a caseworker for Health and Human Services and okay. had a lengthy career with that until I got married six years ago. What, to Jingle Bob? Yes. Okay. And so was that the point? When did you start following Jesus? I started following Jesus in 2012. Okay. And you got married when? In 2016. Okay. So I'm just, the reason I'm asking these questions in this area of expectations yeah. is because I, I'm wanting to understand where you're coming from with thinking, okay, I did life before Jesus one way. Yes. Now I'm going to do it his way. And I'm marrying this Christian man and we're going to have this Christian home and everything's going to be Christianly perfect. <laughs> Yes. Well, and even after I got saved, there was still kind of that like, well, there's something missing because I wasn't married. Mm, And so for that first four years, I really, really struggled with just like, what does it look like to function in this space with the Lord as a single mom and lay down that desire? Because what if he didn't bring me a husband? Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and graciously he did. And I mean, it's the brother of the woman who shared the gospel with me. It's yeah. an amazing story. Um, but what if he hadn't? And so just learning to be secure in mm. that identity and instead of what I thought exactly would fill it up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's a, huge thing that um, we all struggle with, whether our occupation is homemaking or, you know, medical, we go into the medical field and we're going to be a doctor and that's going to complete me or, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank, Um, whatever we occupy our time with, those are roles that the Lord brings into our life. Right. Um, But it's not meant to define who we are. And it's, I think it can be really hard for homemakers because, it's so your role as a homemaker is so tied up with your role as a mom if you have yes. kids, um, and of course your role as a wife if you're a married homemaker. It's it's really tempting to then just tie all that up together and yes. be like, okay, well, you know, if I have perfect kids and a perfect marriage and the perfect house and everybody's happy all the time, okay, then I'm doing my job well and yes. you know this completes me. Well, and I think a lot of mine too stemmed from that and from coming from a dysfunctional, broken mm-hmm. home. And so, you wanting know, something oh, different. I'm going to do something different than yeah. my parents did, you know, right. and, which sets you up for all sorts of, 
you it know, really chaos does. and failure. And so, yeah, yeah, it really does. It's very, um, we look back, I mean, certainly we don't want to repeat, you know, I'm doing air quotes, repeat the sins of our fathers, right? right. We want to stop any cycles of abuse or, you know, dysfunctionality or anything like that yes. as best we can through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. But also it, we can be a little prideful. I mean, I can't, you know, be like, oh, yes, oh I'm not making those mistakes. Yes. You know, I'm not going to do what they did. I'm going to do better or whatever. And yep. it's just, and then life happens and things are hard. And like you said, it's messy relationally to live with oh, other yes. people. <laughs> I could be the greatest Christian if it weren't for all the other people. <laughs> and then they just reveal to you all of your weaknesses oh, yeah. and all of your flaws. And you're seeing how God really what he wants is to conform you to his image through the yuckiness that comes out of your heart when you are challenged by your kid or your husband or whatever. So, yeah, I would say parenting and and being a wife are the most sanctifying mm-hmm. areas of my life. <laughs> so, let's move on and talk a little more. Let's press into the area of parenting. How did adding kids challenge and enrich your homemaking? It was definitely a challenge for me after I became a single mom pretty early on in Christian was barely a year old when I became a single mom. And like I just said a second ago, even after I got pregnant with Kaylin, I ended up still being a single mom. Mm-hmm. And so just having to do both parental roles and working and doing all the homemaking tasks, it got to this place where it was super overwhelming. And so I started treating the kids kind of like a job. Mm. It was like, oh, did I feed them today? Check. Mm-hmm. And did they make it alive today? Check, check. Mm-hmm. And so they were more, it was more of a survival mm-hmm. instead of a delight mm-hmm. for me. And so I have had that prayer over the last few years, like, Lord, teach me what it looks like to actually just delight in this process instead of checking off the to-do list because it was super hard for me. And he's been he's been faithful because I'm learning to just love who they are and how they're made and yeah. and the process even when it's super messy. And so that challenge of being overwhelmed, it's still overwhelming, but there's a little more balance now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that prayer asking him to help you delight yes in them instead of it being dutiful. Yes. Uh that's great. Well, how do you encourage your kids to participate in homemaking with you? Well, we definitely um, assign them chores. They mm-hmm. have their own specific set of chores. Um, and now that Christian's 19, you know, those have changed a little bit now that he's home, but sure. he still helps around the house. I give Kaylin a lot of creative freedom in decorating her room. Mm-hmm. She is much different style than me. And so she um, is frequently changing it within limitations because that can get very expensive. Sure. And, um, we do that. One of the things I'm implementing this summer is a- allowing her to experiment with food and make one meal a week for the family so that she can learn how that goes. That's and a great practice. How old is she? She's 14 now. Oh, yeah. And Perfect she's been age. doing small cooking things, but mm-hmm. to actually prepare a meal and think ahead is like she's having to write down ingredients and mm-hmm. make sure we have them. And so I'm hoping that'll be fun for her. And it honestly is kind of a relief for me because it's busy. Absolutely. And and she's home right now. So she, one meal a week is a blessing. Absolutely. Yeah. I would, um, I would encourage everybody to do that. And I mean, I started doing that with my daughter pretty young. It was part of her homeschool curriculum as well. But, um, one of the things if I had to say, I wish I had done was I wish I had been a little more intentional about teaching my children, the family recipes, like the ones that, you know, they request often for me to make. Because when they all left, (laughs) I'm getting texts and calls (laughs) all the time. How do I make such and so? You know, I mean, there's certain ones that they all want to know how to make. And I mean, I'm happy to tell them that it's just, it would have been so much easier if I had trained them in it while they were still at home. Yeah, because that's true. a lot of them I don't really have a recipe for, so then I have to like rack my brain and figure out amounts and that kind of thing. So anyway, that's just a bit of advice that I would give. That is a great idea. Yeah, because we ha- we don't have a ton of like I would say signature family dishes, but mm-hmm. we have those few that they are like got to have it every time we're home. Yeah, so please, they're, they're yes. on the rotation yes. regularly. So that's but, a good idea. And then also give, like you said, giving them the freedom. I love that you're giving her the freedom to experiment with food. Like what sounds good to you? Because yeah. she may come up with something that you would never think to fix, but 
if it piques her interest and gets her willing to get her hands dirty in the kitchen, then I yes. think that's that's fabulous. So, well, let's talk about priorities. What are some practical steps that you take to set and keep your priorities? Well, I thought through those kind of, I kind of compartmentalized them as I was thinking through, like with my husband, I have to, he travels pretty regularly with his job. So like this week he's been gone all five days. And Mm -hmm. so we'll just have the weekend. So I try to carve out some time for us to do some fun things just alone. Um, But one of the things that we regularly have practiced since we got married is he is a diehard Cowboys fan. And so during football season, I block out that three-hour window and I dedicate that time to watching the Cowboys with him. And I've really grown to love football. I liked football, but now I love football Um, by watching it with him. I've learned a lot about the sport. And the kids, my kids are a little older so I can get away with it, but they know. Like mom is unavailable unless I'm bleeding or dying for those three hours. (laughs) And they just kind of fend for themselves and make Uh a sandwich and and let me and dad watch the game. And then I would say for for my quiet time, my own own self-care health, um, I really just have to get up before everybody else does. That's usually looks looking like 4.30 or 5 in the morning so that I can get out of the out of there and into a quiet place. Um to work out, to spend time with the Lord, to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I don't do that, my husband's been really gracious to kind of be the the wall, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 protect my time at night so that I can go in my room and read or spend time praying. And so he'll just kind of be the buffer between me and the families. Because yeah. of course, you know, he's out there, but the kids still want to ask mom. Mm-hmm. And so he'll intercede on my behalf there and be like, no, 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 let mom read. And mm-hmm. so that's been good. And then for the kids, we set aside... Um, different times to just kind of hang out together. But I have found that as teenagers, they really like to kind of hide out in their rooms. Yeah. And so I've just gotten used to going in there and being with them in their space. And Mm. they love it. And um, really being flexible at bedtime for myself, because that seems to be when they want to talk the most. They want you to lay with them and listen to them. Mm -hmm. and, And so just making being intentional about going into their space and not requiring them to come to me. I think that's so wise. Um, I love that. Go into their space and be in their space with them. And yeah, yeah, the whole thing about, I don't know what it is about teenage brains, but it's like they don't go into, you know, a healthy conversational mode until at least 10 o'clock at night. I know. I don't understand that. And I'm so exhausted. So I'm like trying to like hold my eyes open and be like, please pay attention. I know. They're going to say something good here. Uh, One of the other... um, Gosh, I can't remember who it is. One of the other ladies, the older ladies that I interviewed who had probably four kids, I think. And she said one of the things that she would do was intentionally take some time um, when her kids were teenagers and they would go to school, she would be at home and, you know, taking care of the house, but she would take some time in the afternoon to just get a little quick nap or recharge because she knew that her kids were going to want to be up late and that would be the best time for her to connect with them is 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night. And she, there was no way she would be able to stay up that late. So she would get a little nap in. Um, oh, that's good. So for those mamas who are at home and you have that ability, you might want to think about doing that. So what about um, balancing work life? Because you've alluded to this already that that was a challenge for you to yes. to balance. What are some of the practical steps that you've taken to sort of have a healthy balance with your work life and your home life? I One of the things that I've tried practicing is like, I know that Fridays are more guaranteed that my husband will be home mm-hmm. and of course the weekend. And so I will block out Fridays typically, um, depending on whether he's home or not. That way I can have a spontaneous lunch with him or sure. even a dinner. Uh, but I try to at least have one day blocked off during the week that I don't have anything planned. Right. That way I am free and flexible to just kind of meet the needs of the family and do fun things. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, try to tr- just disconnect from the phone, like go put it in my room, quit mm-hmm. answering it, mm-hmm. take off the watch because that'll ding you too, and then I'm distracted. Oh, yeah. um, I'm not as good at that mm-hmm. as I would like to be. I'm still learning in that. And then um, instead of coming home and, and working on the computer, just saying, you know what, no, for these next however long time, hour, couple hours, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be with them. Mm-hmm. And then if it's something important, like I have to prep for a teaching, yeah. I just kind of let them know up front, like, hey, 
you know, I just want you to know in two hours or three hours, I really need to go work on this. And they seem pretty willing to, Mm -hmm. it's less of a jolt to them if I kind of give them the heads up first instead of like, all right, mom's busy, leave me alone. Sure. When do you get the homemaking done? Because we have a lot of we have a lot of listeners who work outside the home, and you know they're weekend warrior homemakers, or they're just doing it in the margins, you know, between yeah work and and running kids to school or soccer practice or whatever. For the stuff that I have to do, I will do um, kind of in the margins, like you just said. You know, I have a few free minutes here. I'll throw in the laundry. Um, I work from home on Thursdays, so that's really been a valuable day for me to kind of mm-hmm. set that because I can do a lot of things while I'm working. Sure. Um, probably multitasking that way is probably not the best way to do it, but it works. But I also have the benefit of having my Nana there. She is a huge help. And the kids really help too. Like right now, before I left, Kaylin was cleaning the floors. Mm-hmm. And so it's been more of a community project instead of just me doing it. Sure. And and that's been really helpful over the last few years. That's good. And really, we should all take that approach, whether we are staying home full-time or not. Yeah. Um, it because we're doing our kids a disservice if we're not letting them enter into that with us and training them and how to, you know, what does it mean to keep a home and be a part of the community of the home? Yes. So um, that's good. Well, I'm, I think foresight on meals. I, I try to be very intentional about at least having meals together. And so thinking ahead, like I know Sundays are busy, so I cook mm-hmm. enough on Saturdays so mm-hmm. I don't have to on Sunday and we can have leftovers and, and sure. things like that. Right. That's that's good. How do you maintain a healthy relationship with social media? And how do you help your kids maintain a relationship, a healthy one? Because they're at that age. Oh, yes. I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Mm. I have found it does have its benefits. I think it has its place, especially in today's culture. Mm-hmm. That's what they're all using. Right. Um, but I realized that I get addicted to things pretty easily. And mm-hmm. so I have literally had to fast myself from it. Like I went mm-hmm. a whole year one time without Facebook uh-huh. because I just would find myself like, oh, I'm bored. Let me pick up my phone. Or, yes. you know, I want to just distract myself for a minute. Let me pick up my phone. And so it just really became this time sucker that I didn't realize was happening. And I I didn't want to always be on my phone when I should have been paying attention to them. So I, I'll i do that. I'll fast from it for a time. And then I also set the time limits on my phone. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But that's how I manage for me. And then the kids, I didn't even let my son have social media till he was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was required to be my friend on there because mm-hmm. I could see who he was following and... Um, you know, and just kind of monitor what he was putting out to the sure. world. Kaylin's been a little more difficult. I, I have found that her friend group just typically, they don't text, they don't do any of that. They communicate through Snapchat. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't have any other forms of social media, but she does have that. I do, I am her friend on there, so I can kind of monitor. And then we do random phone texts as mm-hmm. well, just to kind of keep an eye on what. And Snapchat's kind of weird because it deletes things. Yeah. So it's not foolproof. And it's a headache. I try to let her be in communication with the friends, especially during summer because she feels more isolated. But it's a battle, a serious battle every single day of balancing that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, I'm just really glad that, I don't know. I mean, my kids had, we had social media, but it was really, it was still kind of in its infancy. Yeah. Um, When my daughter who I think would have been like Kaylin, it would have been the hardest to monitor her with that. Um, But then my boys, they're, you know, they're just not that into it. I know they are. I think they all do Snapchat. I think actually all my kids communicate with one another. On Snapchat. On Snapchat. That's funny. (laughs) That's like how they know what's going on in each other's lives. I am not on Snapchat because my kids are all adults now. And so y'all, you know, y'all monitor that yourselves. But um, there's just so much. And it seems like there's always a new thing. Oh, yeah. Like there's always a new, this is what everybody's doing now. And it's like, I don't want to have to learn another app. <laughs> it is very difficult. My brain just doesn't even wrap around the stuff that they mm-hmm. that they know. Mm-hmm. Man. But thankfully, it's... that's really the only one she likes. That okay. and YouTube. She likes to watch a lot of YouTube tutorials. Well, yeah. Yes. YouTube University, man. Yes. I mean, you can learn anything on YouTube. It's awesome. Well, okay. How about temptations and challenges? Okay. We have a lot of them in life, but we have some unique ones as women and as homemakers. 
I'm going to give you some options here, and I want you to tell me which one of these you most identify with. Okay. Comparison to other women, Mm -hmm. other homemakers. I am just a homemaker. I'm not getting paid, so this is not a real job. Superwoman, trying to do all the things. I would definitely say I identify most with one in three. Okay. I will say, though, that on number two, I had this naive kind of view of of stay-at-home mothers Mm -hmm. and stay-at-home homemakers prior to getting the experience. I was given a year and a half of being a stay-at-home mom, and it is most definitely a job. Mm -hmm. But I would say I identify most with one in three. Yeah. So where do you find yourself comparing the most? I find myself comparing to women who seem to embody that delight. Mm. Like they're, you know, doing things with the kids all the time and they're crafting and they're cooking together and and they just really, it's a joy for them to do all the things. And so I find myself there like, oh, well, why don't I enjoy that like they do? Mm. You know, why don't I have Kaylin come help me like, you know, like they do? And so I find myself kind of comparing in that, in that realm. Mm-hmm. So like, how are you getting over that? Instead of being um, complacent, I'm like, you know what? Instead of comparing, why don't you try it and see if you enjoy it? And whatever (laughs) that particular challenge is. And sometimes it works. And sometimes I'm like, you know, maybe I'm just not wired that way. Yeah. (laughs) And and it helps me to let it go if I just step out in faith and be like, well, let me try that thing. Mm -hmm. And, And some have stayed and some have gone. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, what about the superwoman? Superwoman, yeah, I'm definitely a superwoman. I will say yes to a lot of things, mm-hmm. and they're all seemingly good things, right. but I, I get trapped in that. I don't want to let anybody down. Oh, and yeah. so, you know, kids want to go here, husband wants to go there, friends need you to do this, work needs you to do that. And then I'll find myself juggling too many things. And I'm like, ah, oh, I can't do it. I'm super limited. Okay, now I need a break. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of peaks and valleys a lot in that superwoman. I'm either like superwoman getting everything done or I'm like, please leave me alone for at least a week. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's that's I think we could all identify with that. So what's a special challenge, a particular challenge that you faced in your homemaking? I think we're gonna talk about a couple of things here, but what's something that that has really been unique to you and challenging for you? I feel like um We've had quite a diverse range of challenges in our, well, at least in my homemaking journey, um, Jingle Bob's kind of getting, you know, roped into some of those. One of those would be the fact that I have rheumatoid arthritis. Having an autoimmune has really just changed a lot of the ways that we function. Mm -hmm. Um, I got diagnosed with that when the kids were pretty young, right after my mom died. She died when I was 30. And um, about a year later, I woke up one morning, knees were ginormous, and I couldn't walk. Mm. And so just walking that out with the Lord of trying to find medications that work, trying to get healthy. And I found even during that, that I had to make a lot of dietary changes, which affects the whole family sure. um, because gluten it messes with my RA. And I'm, I don't have celiac, but gluten hates me. And so the kids have had to adjust to that. I'm actually having a my second knee replacement coming up in a couple of weeks. And the recovery for that is pretty intense. And my husband has to be my nurse and really kind of take over things that he's not used to doing. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's just been a challenge. I have to, like chiropractic care is a must have in my condition to keep me moving well. And so I have to learn how to budget those things in as well as make time on days that I have my infusion. I just know I can't do anything because I'm I'm more tired afterwards. So just mm-hmm. finding the balance in those things and doing what I need to do to manage the disease well and mm-hmm. and it's discouraging sometimes, you know. I would love to just be able to eat what I want and you know, not have to do all the things, but um yeah. And but it's taught me a greater appreciation because I couldn't get down on the floor and play with my kids. And so I learned to appreciate um some of those little things that I didn't that I kind of took for granted before. Yeah. But God's been faithful because as a person who loves hiking, I, I would ask him, like, Lord, I'm gonna go hike this trail and it's gonna hurt, but I am begging you to please sustain me and get me through this hike so I can enjoy a hike. And every single time mm-hmm. he's given me that hike. And I don't do it often because it does hurt, but afterwards, but he's, he's given me such moments of reprieve from the disease too. 
Yeah. I would not wish that on anybody, but when we face those kinds of challenges, particularly physical challenges like that, I yeah. think it's in a way it's sort of a blessing because oh, it's, yes. it opens you up what takes completely takes the blinders off that we are limited, very limited. We are limited and we are not in control when we don't have those physical ailments. It's kind of like when you enjoy health for a while and then, you know, you get hit with the flu or something and yes. all. And you were like, man, I forgot how awful it feels to be sick. <laughs> this <laughs> yes. is terrible. Like yes. you can't get off the couch and, you know, you're just like, oh, Lord, just let me. And then you're better after a couple of days and then you forget again, you know. But yes. I imagine having a condition that's always there, it's always a reminder of your limitedness. How do you see a blessing in that? I think the greatest blessing I've seen in it is that God really used it to pull me out of some deep sin patterns because mm. you can't if you can't walk you can't really you know go to places that you used to go and yeah. and so i had struggled with drinking in my younger years and the first medication they put me on they were like yeah if you drink you're going to kill yourself it will wow. shut your body down and so he used that to really just take away some some heavy heavy sin patterns that mm. i struggled to let go of when i first got saved and um that has been the hugest blessing. And like I said, just developing a deeper gratitude and a dependency on Him because growing up, I was like, I am Miss Independent. I can do it. I can do it all on my own. Mm -hmm. And then when you can't, mm -hmm. you realize that, that your need is greater. Yeah, that's great. And then imagine having um, having kids in the home that are helpful and then also having your Nana around. Oh, yes. Um, it's a blessing you know, for your condition, because there might be a day where you just can't do, right? I mean, do you have those days still? It's not as bad now. This particular medicine that they've had me on for the last four years has been really helpful. Mm -hmm. But prior to that, there were just days where your whole body just felt like it was on fire. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it. And the mm -hmm. kids were you could tell they would take, they could tell, mm -hmm. and they would take extra kind of tender care moments. They'd mm. bring a blanket. They would, you know, well, hey, mom, can I bring you anything? They would let me sleep if I needed sleep because fatigue is one of the things that runs with RA yeah. kind of hand in hand. And they've all just kind of embraced the journey. Kaylin frequently, if she sees me even eyeballing a food I'm not supposed to have, <laughs> she'll call me out. She's like, mom, you're not supposed to eat that. Don't even think about it. That's okay. so funny. I mean, it's, that's great, though, that they're learning caregiving and compassion yes. through your journey. Yeah, it's been, it's it's a blessing to me yeah. to be, it's kind of humbling to receive from your kids in that way. Absolutely. Because um, I didn't expect to until I was like way older. Right. <laughs> um, but it is, it is a blessing. And I think it's just been good too. It gives me more compassion because like I said, we have my grandma who's about to be 90. So I would say that's kind of the other yeah. um, challenge. It's not a bad challenge, but it is a challenge caring for an aging parent. And, but she... But it's been more of a blessing than a challenge because she's really been a third parent to my kids mm -hmm. and really a mom to me. Because like I said, my mom died when I was 30. Yeah. She passed at the age of 49. And um, yeah, she's just been the mom figure. Yeah. And she does things that I don't even think about coming from that generation, like cleaning garbage disposals and wiping cabinets. And so she's just been a, a really good source of learning, a yeah. source of compassion and love. And and so even though it's a challenge with some of her limitations at this age, it's been really good. Yeah. That's just, that's amazing because she's teaching you and you're, you're learning homemaking through her, yes. watching her do homemaking in your home. So that's fantastic. And then your physical limitations and your illness have probably helped you to be a, a lot more patient with her. Oh, yes. Um, in just her aging process and her limitations due to that. Well, and even caring for my mom, because my mom, when she had the cancer, stayed with me okay. while, while she was on hospice care. And my grandparents came and they helped take care of her. So I got to see my grandma in action, losing a child of her own Man. and having that care and compassion for my mom and teaching me how to do it in the moment. But it was always kind of understood that she was going to live with my mom if my grandpa ever passed. And then she passed. So, and then my grandpa passed in 2012. Mm -hmm. And so she stayed by herself for about a year. And then she was like, well, you're single and I'm 
single, so you want to live together. And so we lived together for three and a half years before Jingle Bob and I got married. And when we got married, we asked her if she wanted to come to San Antonio. And she was incredibly wise and said, yes, but I'm going to live in an apartment for the first year Mm. and give you guys that time to acclimate. And thank God she did, because five days after I got here, he lost his job. And we had a crash course in... um, Getting to know each other and unity, <laughs> like spending <laughs> lots and lots of time you together. We were together all the time, all the time. And That's so funny. Just a lot of wisdom from her in that. Yeah, like, yeah. You guys need time to acclimate as a blended family and learn how to be married. And and then yeah. she, we bought this house that we're in now, so that she could move in with us after that time. That is, yeah, that is wisdom right there. What a blessing she is. Oh yeah, she is great. That's really cool. I always tell the girls at work, you really need a nana, <laughs> like. <laughs> You need a nana in your house. All right. Well, let's move on and talk about hospitality. What is a practical way that you show hospitality in your homemaking? I actually looked at that word because I was struggling with thinking of it in terms to the people in the house. Sure. So I always kind of think outward for hospitality. And so when I looked it up, I saw that it it meant to make an environment favorable and pleasant for living in. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that I do that for Nana in particular is she likes me to write out my week's schedule on the whiteboard on the fridge. It gives her peace. She knows where I'm at. She knows when I'm going to be home, when she's going to cook and things like that. So I'll do that in particular for her. Yeah. And for my husband, he comes from a, a military background. He was in the army for 22 years and he likes things um, very routine and very orderly. And so we have di- we have meals pretty much on a very consistent schedule. If you come to my house, you're going to get breakfast at 8, lunch at 12, and dinner at 5. <laughs> and so he knows... <laughs> He knows that dinner's going to be there at five. Yeah. And so, and there's deviation, especially if we have family in town. But, but for the most part, we stick to that routine. Like he knows I'm going to do his laundry on Saturday. So he's ready. He has all his stuff ready for Saturday. Mm -hmm. And so we just do little things like that to, or I do things like that for them to make their life a little more easy to manage. Yeah. Um, If I'm thinking outward, I would say my go-to hospitality is food. Mm-hmm. I love food. I If you're having a baby, if you're sick, don't matter. I'm going to bring you food. Mm-hmm. And that's my my favorite way to show. My signature would be green chili, chicken enchiladas. I do those a lot because I can make them in advance and freeze the casserole dish in the deep freezer. And then oh. I can just pull them out and yeah. we've got enchiladas. That's awesome. And that's something you would bring to somebody? Like oh, if- Yes. That's your dish. Yes. Okay. That is my favorite dish to make. I grew up on Mexican food. I mm. love Mexican food. And it's just one of our favorites. But I also make the soup with parsnips that I regularly will take to people, especially if they're sick. I don't have a name for it yet. Soup with parsnips. Yes. It's like a vegetable soup with yeah. chicken, carrots, parsnips, onions, celery. But I treat it like a tortilla soup and I top it with... Um, Tortilla strips, avocado, and cheese. Yummy. And it is delicious. I just haven't figured out what I'm going to name it yet. That sounds fabulous. Yes. Can you share that recipe with us? I will absolutely share that with you. Okay, thank you. And the green chili ch- yes. chicken enchiladas. I'll give you those Okay, too. thank you. <laughs> and we have a... I don't know if you know this, but we have like a huge Hawaiian family on my husband's side. Right. Okay. Because so, his yes. family's from... Okay. His well, mom was from Hawaii. Mom's from Maui. She grew up in an orphanage there. Oh, wow. And um, she ended up in the military in Germany. She, When she joined the military, she went to Germany. That's how she met my father-in-law. Okay. And then they ended up in Texas because of their duty station. But she grew up there. And so my husband's one of the first one of six. And all of them have like four plus kids. Nobody has less than four, I think. <laughs> Maybe one brother has three, mm-hmm. but it is a, so at any given time when they come over, there's 20 plus people staying in my house. And so the hallway becomes kind of like a, a military barracks with cots and you know beds, <laughs> right. but I, for hospitality for them, I, if I have jasmine rice and coffee and Fritos and stuff to make chili, I can make anything happen with these people <laughs> like jasmine rice, coffee, chili, and okay. they're happy. Okay. Why jasmine rice? They eat rice with everything. Oh. Like every meal, you know, whether it's chicken, spam, whatever, they like jasmine rice with it. Okay. That's good to know. Spam. Oh, I just can't get behind the spam. I just can't do it. We particularly like it grilled or fried. You know, you get the edges really burnt and crispy. 
I can't eat it as much because I can't do processed meat. Yeah. But, but my husband, even my daughter, she'll wrap it up with seaweed and eat the spam and rice with seaweed and oh go my to town. God. Okay. Maybe sometime you can cook some spam for me and I'll try it. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I just can't do it. Okay. Well, let's, oh wait, I have one more question. So how do you think homemaking helps build community? I think it builds community um, because you're creating a space for people mm-hmm. to be invited into your life. You're getting to know one another. And that's one of our deepest desires, right? And how we were made is to be seen, to be known, and to be loved. And mm-hmm. so it creates an opportunity to do that, invite people into relationship. And and whether they're visiting you or whether they live with you, yeah. you're, you're teaching them what it looks like to be seen, known, and loved. I love that. That's really good. All right, we're going to do some rapid-fire questions. Okay. Ready? Yes. What is your biggest homemaking fail so far? Well, I told you this on one of your Instagram posts, but I, (laughs) Jingle Bob and I had barely been dating for like three months, and I was making our first Christmas meal as a family, and I made coleslaw, not with vinegar, but with ammonia. (laughs) And thankfully... (laughs) Because they put the bottles next to each other. And, and they look the same. And they looked the same because they had used the vinegar to clean. So they threw it under the sink. And I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm like, well, surely that's it. And I grabbed it without looking. But thankfully, as I was mixing it up, I'm like, that doesn't smell right. And my husband on Christmas Day went to like eight different grocery stores trying to find all the ingredients to remake coleslaw because everything was closed. And so it was an epic mess, but he laughed and it was fine. That's that's a pretty big fail. It was. And I did not I poison mean, my family. Like They're all fine. You killed everybody. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. How about a recent homemaking win? I don't know that it's my win so much as just the Lord's work, but I think creating a safe environment for my kids. When I grew up, I frequently felt unsafe. There was a lot of um, abuse and and just different things that were not healthy. And so mm-hmm. I always wanted to make the home safe for my kids, a safe place for them to fail, a safe, you know, I was a safe person that they could trust and approach. Right. And so I think that would be the biggest win that we've worked out that I've, um, anytime they just come and tell me things like whether it's shocking or not, (laughs) I've tried very, I've tried to be very intentional. Like you can tell me anything Mm -hmm. and I will, you know, even if I don't agree with it, I'm not going to blow up. I would rather you tell me I won't blow up. And so I've had to, you know, there's been some shocking things sometimes. I'm like, Oh my God, what is happening? But I think just creating that environment where we're able to listen to each other and express ourselves because I was never allowed to express you know, emotions when I was a kid. And so I wanted them to be free to do that. So anytime they come and share or they just jump in my lap and they're like, I want cuddles, I think that's a win. Yeah, absolutely. Providing a place for your kids to be seen, known, and heard. Yes. Um, And that includes hearing the things that they, because they, they're going to have to wrestle with God themselves. Yes. They're going to have to wrestle with sin. They're going to, I mean, you, and you want them to be able to do that when they're at home under your protection and guidance. Yes. Not when they leave home and then they decide to, you know, run headlong into sin. So it is, you're right. It's absolutely, it's very challenging as the parent to be willing to listen, to hear anything. You can tell me anything. Like you need to be able to say that and really mean it. Yes. Because you just don't know what's going to come out. <laughs> I and I won't share those stories without their permission, but there no. have been a couple of times where I was just like, I think every can you give me like five seconds? Yeah, I think I'm just gonna pray. <laughs> I agree. I think yeah. every parent who has older kids has probably been in that situation where, um, yeah, you just don't know what, what's gonna come at you, but you need to be willing to hear it and don't be afraid and make yeah. sure that they're not afraid to come to you with their, with their tough questions. One of the things that I always taught my kids was, um, God is not surprised by your doubt and your questions. Mm, that's um, good. And he can handle it. Yeah. Like he can totally handle it. And he already knows that you're thinking that. Yes. So voice it and speak it out. And then I think as parents who 
you know, we don't represent God, but we represent His authority when they're right. under our authority. We right. need to be able to be the same way as much as we can, um, to be willing to to let them bring things to us. And, and like you said, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to throw things at the wall. You know, um, I might need a minute. Like yes. And I might need a hot minute, like. But you're gonna you're gonna trust that God is gonna give you what you need in that moment. It's so important that they're that they feel like you're a safe person that they can bring their struggles to. Yeah, I just it's shocking to me how many different voices mm. speak into your children's lives, mm-hmm. and so I just I, man, it's just so important to me that they know that the voices that they hear at home are for them and they're yeah. consistent. And God honoring. Most of the time, I failed in that area. Obviously, we all do. But um, yeah, that's just been a huge, huge win that the Lord has worked out. That's great. Well, what about a homemaking product or resource that you are loving right now? I have a few. Can I share a few? Absolutely. Um, the first, I would say, is my Against All Grain cookbook. Oh, that thing has been yes. just, there is a banana bread recipe. Which one there. do you have? You the first one? The first one. Okay. Yeah. Cuz she has like four or five. Now. It is so good. That banana bread is one of my favorite. It was my first favorite gluten mm-hmm. recipe. So that is one of my favorite resources. That's um Danielle Walker. If you don't know yes. Danielle Walker Against All Grain is the name of her first book and like her that's her brand, I guess, or whatever, yes. but yeah, all her books are fabulous. She has a ton of recipes in oh, there that yeah. have been very helpful in switching oh, to yeah, that lifestyle. For sure. Yeah. Cuz we have a all the most of the listeners probably know this by now, but two of my kids have celiac, so oh, yes, we needed to delve into that world as well. So yeah. she's a great resource. Okay, next, um, my rice pot. Mm. My rice pot is um, hands down one of my favorite because I can make any meal <laughs> with rice yeah. and the convection oven. We bought this like it looks like a little circular oven, but it cooks you know all the way around sure. with the heat and. It cooks salmon perfectly. I can cook a whole chicken in that thing in an hour and a half. And so that has made life real easy without heating up the house in this terrible Texas heat. I know. And so um, those are probably my favorite appliances. I would say my 80s and 90s playlist makes cleaning super, super fun. (laughs) uh, I'm wearing my 90s shirt Uh today. Um, I just love it. And I love to, if I can sing and dance while doing any of the housework, it just makes it a lot easier to get through. Absolutely. Absolutely. It sounds unoriginal, but the Bible, that is my best resource. There's a verse that I frequently think about, which is in Proverbs 14.1, and it says that a wise woman builds up her home, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. And so frequently, I will have to self-reflect and check myself, like, is what I'm doing, whatever that is, doing, thinking, saying, building up the people in my home, or is it tearing it down? Mm -hmm. And so that has been a really good... um, self-reflection tool as Mm -hmm. I navigate all the different things in our life. Yeah, that's fabulous. Yes. Good word. Well, what about your favorite homemaking hack or tip? It doesn't have to be original with you. Just I had a couple on that one too. The first Mm -hmm. one I was thinking through in this one, I don't know that it would work for everybody, but if you don't ever want to make your bed, just get up before your husband (laughs) and he will do all the bed making for you. Um, Maybe, maybe. I don't know. That might not work. (laughs) No, my husband's like... Well, if he was a military military guy, that would work for sure. But um, if he's one of the people who just could care less if the bed's made, that's probably not going to work. That's true. Um, The other one is um, I frequently make a meal plan for the week, just so we know. Um, But when I do that, I put my calendar beside it. Mm -hmm. Because I know that in our particular life, Sundays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays are super busy. And so I I plan a meal according to the busyness. Yes. I'm not going to make a five-course meal on a day where I'm running around to five different places. I'll make sure that I have a pizza or something quick like a rotisserie chicken. So just laying out that calendar and really being intentional, looking at what you've got Mm -hmm. ahead of you. And then H-E-B curbside. I know that sounds like a super first world thing, but it's uh, it's really helped me to stay on a budget. And mm-hmm. it's also freed me up with some time because I can get in and get out. Now, there are times where I just love to go to the grocery store, but I use that a lot to kind of keep that budget on track Yeah, um, because you can delete things out of your cart and you're not impulse buying when you're hungry. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, that's a great service, especially if you if you were working outside the home. Yes. Um, it's fabulous because you could work it into your schedule. Exactly. Um, to be able to just swing by when you know you've got the time to pick it up and then take it home and put the things away and stuff. Yeah. 
Great tips. All right. Thank you. Well, let's talk about the art of home a little bit. How do you see homemaking as an art? I had to think about that one a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think of it as an art because you're using intentionality or using creativity to create these spaces. And in my particular home, I want it to be looking vibrant with all these, you know, I like yellows and reds and turquoises. I like a lot of Southwestern stuff. Yeah. Um, and, but also plants, which I love. I have plants everywhere. And so that it, so when you walk in, you get this picture of life and vibrancy and you're using all these different things to make that happen mm-hmm. and to create a space. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm not surprised that you like the Southwest colors. I mean, that's oh, yes. where you grew up and I love that stuff too. So how do you find beauty in the midst of the work that is often just really repetitive and monotonous <laughs> and mundane? And- yes. Um, that has been a mental shift for me. I used to kind of grumble and complain mm-hmm. about the mundane tasks, but I think where the Lord has, has kind of shifted my perspective is looking at it as stewardship. And mm-hmm. so I'm getting an opportunity to use the resources, the, the space, the people, and steward them as a gift from the Lord instead of just this thing I have to do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love attaching that word to it. It's really good. Yeah. Well, so then what about gratitude? How, how, why is gratitude important for the homemaker and how have you seen an attitude of gratefulness improve your experience in the home? I would say that gratitude is important because every single day is going to present something that we can complain about, right? And he says to do everything without grumbling and complaining. And so that's kind of the antidote for that. Because what, you know, your husband may not pay attention to you that day like you wanted, or the kids may have made you crazy or whatever. There's always Mm -hmm. something that you can complain about. And I think if we focus on the gratitude, it really shifts our heart away from that. And I know for me particularly, it doesn't let the bitterness creep in because I having dealt with multiple seasons of long and hard suffering, it was easy to kind of trend towards that bitter bitterness and resentment sure. over the circumstances. And so gratitude has really helped me fight that and not get bitter and, and look past the circumstance. Mm, that's really good. How, how about helping your children with gratitude? I mean, is that something that you and Jingle Bob are intentional about um, fostering an attitude of gratitude in the home as a whole, or is it challenging to help your kids be grateful? It is a challenge in that I think, especially today's culture, there's yeah. a lot of instant gratification and um, so they're not as grateful for some of the things, but just trying to remind them like, you know, hey, some people don't even have this or whatever the case may be, just kind of trying to show them that you know, that how incredibly blessed we really are. And yeah. even if it's a more of a spiritual thing instead of a physical, tangible thing, um, just reminding them to, you know, hey, you've seen this, you've seen this situation. And so how can we show God that we're grateful that, hey, we're not in that situation or we're not dealing with that situation anymore. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to talk them through it. It's a challenge. Um, kids, I've noticed that the kids will either do really, really great and have really, really high days, or mm-hmm. they're just like, everything's terrible. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. Which I think we are we all are that way. Yes. We are <laughs> I'm too. that way too. <laughs> Absolutely. How do you think that older women can step in and help your generation of homemakers in their practice of the art of home? Like, what do you guys need help with? What are some things that you wish they knew about your experience? I would say, well, I'm kind of living it because my grandma's living there. But I think one of the things that I've really appreciated learning from her is, A, how to do a lot with a little. Mm. Like, they can do so much. That generation just knows how to stretch things and really utilize every single thing that they have. But I feel like that generation, too, really knows how to slow down and enjoy the process. Mm. Whereas I feel like in our my generation, there's a lot of, we want we have a lot of, um, we can outsource it a lot, sure. you know, and get that instant gratification and get fast results and make it super, super efficient. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I've learned from Nana is just really how to slow down and enjoy some of the processes. And so I would say for, for that 
more seasoned homemaker to like, just, just keep showing us that, like Mm -hmm. showing us how to do a lot with a little, to really take care of what we have, to not always try to get that fast result or instant gratification, but to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. No, that's really good. I have a, um, a couple of grandmothers in that same age as your Nana that are still living and I would absolutely classify them the same way. They are just so resourceful and resilient. I was about to say that word, yes. Really, really resilient. Because if I think back on their lives, both of them are, my my grandmother, my dad's mom is going to be 89 this year. And then um, my husband's grandmother, I believe she'll be 90. Yeah, she'll be 90 this year. Same age as Nana. Yeah. Um, and they what they've lived through, like culturally in world history, what they've lived through oh, is yes. amazing. Um, they have seen real suffering and real hardship. Yes. And I just think that's why they're so resilient. Yeah. I commonly refer to Nana as like the oak tree of the family because mm-hmm. she is just strong as an ox. She's resilient. She's um, steadfast. And she, you know, growing up through the depression, like she tells us stuff about like, well, I remember when we got our first TV, you know, and Uh like it was barely made and just going without. And so they don't, that generation doesn't waste a thing. Oh, And I think that that has been one of the biggest eye openers is like, wow, they don't waste anything, whether it be physical or time yeah. or whatever, they they really make use of what they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a lot to learn from, yes. from the, the few of them that are left. What is a word of encouragement or advice that you would give to a younger homemaker coming behind you? What is celebrated is replicated. Mm-hmm. I pastor our pastor from the church had said that one time in a service and it really stuck but i've learned by experimenting that with that that as you celebrate small wins or victories or you know you, your child put in a lot of effort or they were honest about something where they had the opportunity to lie when you celebrate those things it just really it really does replicate like mm-hmm. i didn't be, i didn't know that that i thought it was just a spiritual truth but it is really like all encompassing truth yeah 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 that's a really good word. So to close our time together, um, I know that you have something to share with us, which I asked you. You are a poet in your spare time. Um, and I've read, I've heard some of your poems in the past that you've shared uh, with women's Bible study and women's ministry mm-hmm. stuff. And so I thought it'd be really neat if you could compose something about homemaking. And you said yes. And so I'm yes. going to let you close us out by sharing that. Okay. Sacred and holy is the ground of homemaking in all its colors and forms. Intentionality and creativity used to create spaces that are safe and warm. Dishes to wash, floors to be swept, all the chores can feel mundane. But rest assured, in the kingdom of God, none of your work is in vain. Through the windows of home, we see glimpses of heaven, a foretaste of what is to come. Rest for the weary, peace for the hurting, joy, and a place to belong. As we tend to the chores, tend to the gardens, or tend to delicate hearts, we're building into a legacy that bids us to come take part. As you gather around your table, bellies are nourished, and so are precious souls sanctification, growth, and failure, it all happens within these walls. With each whispered prayer, every hug shared, and every single load of washed clothes, with every held hand and every meal prepared, a wise woman builds up her home. Sacred and holy is the ground of homemaking, in all its colors and forms, a high and valuable calling, a precious gift from the Lord. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for that beautiful poem. And thanks for sharing your story of home with us. Thank you. Okay, how many of us are wishing we had a Nana living under our roof? I know there are many challenges to a multi-generational household, but as we have heard from Amber, there is also an abundance of blessing. So many lessons to learn. So much value in experiencing daily life with someone from an older generation. You may not have a Nana in your home, but if you have one in your life, may I suggest that you take 
every opportunity to spend time with her and learn from her. She may not be in the same town. That's okay. Call, FaceTime, write letters. She may not even be related to you, but she fills a grandmotherly or a motherly role in some way in your life. The important thing is to be in community with women from all stages of life to learn from and encourage one another. That is what we are all about here on this podcast, joining a legacy of women who value and uphold the very good work of practicing the art of home. Thank you so much for listening today. All the resources mentioned in this episode, as well as Amber's homemaking poem, will be in the show notes. Now, a downloadable PDF version of the poem will be sent out with the weekly newsletter this Friday. So if you want to have that kind of a copy, other than just the text, which will be in the show notes, if you want to be able to download it and maybe print it out, make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter. Also, don't forget, if you're going to read along with us in August and want a copy of the reflection questions, make sure you're also on that same mailing list. Sign up at theartofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe. And as always, if you have found value in this or any episode of The Art of Home, please show us some love in one of the following ways. Share the episode with a homemaker you know who could use some encouragement. That's truly the best way that we can grow and reach more women. Leave us a rating and a review on your listening app. That's a great way for women to, when they find us on an app, they can read the reviews and they can decide, oh, hey, this sounds like something I would be interested in. And then finally, number three, you can leave us a tip in our virtual tip jar, buy me a coffee. All tips go to help offset the cost of production. So thank you very much for your generosity. To donate, go to buymeacoffee.com slash the art of home. We're going to take a week off, but we will return on August 3rd with our first installment in the summer reading series of the book Homemaking by J.R. Miller. It's going to be great. Until next time, keep practicing your art of making a home. <laughs>